This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It was World Wetlands Day on the 2nd of February and the theme for this year was It's Time for Wetlands Restoration. So just last week, you know, we did a show with Dr. Ahmad Aldri Amir, a Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development, Lestari at, at UKM, University of Kebangsaan, Malaysia. He's also the coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, My Mangrove. He's my go-to mangrove guy. Uh, and, you know, in that episode, uh, which aired on the 30th of January, we spoke about, you know, what wetlands are, you know, we defined all the different types of wetlands that they are. Uh, as Dr. Aldri said back then, you know, from mountains to, well, he likes to say mangroves, but actually it's right down to coral reefs. Uh, we spoke about all the different sort of ecosystem services that wetlands provide us, you know, so much more from food to water purification, flood management, what else, you know, recreation, biomass, so many different things. And of course, you know, wetlands are the most biologically diverse ecosystems. So we spoke about all of that in, uh, in the first episode. But today in our second episode, we want to tackle the threats, right? So there are a lot of threats to wetlands uh, and that's something that we want to talk about and how we can protect what we have. Uh, Dr. Aldri is with me again today. Welcome, Dr. Aldri. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Always good to be back here in the studio. Thank you. And how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again. You know, thank you for always giving us such in-depth discussions on these, you know, very, I think, neglected ecosystems, right? Our mangroves, our wetlands and all of that. So yeah, we need to give props to them, definitely. So, you know, as we spoke about uh, wetlands, you know, biologically diverse, you know, huge ecosystem services, uh, you know, uh, serving humans, you know, is, is, is really important to human survival and well-being and not just for the communities who live around the wetlands, but, you know, it all comes to impact us. But, you know, they are under threat, you know, despite, you know, having all these Ramsar sites, despite having the convention, wetlands are under threat. Um, I was reading a WWF report and they said that 64% of all wetlands worldwide have been lost in the past 100 years. Uh, there was another report by the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, better known as IPBES, right? Uh, in their global assessment, they said that wetlands are the most threatened ecosystem. Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, what are the major threats related to wetlands? Yes, uh, this is a very important topic to be discussed. Wetlands, as, as we know, they, they are super important. So, but then, you know, humans, I mean, we, we, if once we are offered with, with these uh, resources, yeah, with, with, with some good stuff, we want more. We want more of that and many of us will turn greedy, right? We, we, will, we, we, we would require more than when we, we should. So this is the issue with any resource, if you like. Uh, but then for wetlands, um, because, because uh, like I told you uh, last week, like it constitutes of water and land, right? Mm-hmm. So the demand for land is the biggest issue concerning protection or conservation of wetlands. Yeah? So for example, I've mentioned earlier that wetlands, coastal wetlands or terrestrial wetlands, attract communities, right? attract humans yeah? to settle, for example, like to build villages so but then we know what happens to villages villages expand yeah, grow to become uh, towns yeah. towns turn into cities cities turn into mega cities <laughs> right so when we do this yeah, when we develop when we expand um, we will need more land we will need, we will need more areas yeah. uh, I mean I mean to do our businesses uh, to acti- uh, business activities or socio-economic activities right yeah. so this is where we need to understand now. This is uh, we need to realize where to stop. Where what's the threshold? Yeah, and then and then as we develop, we miss the important part of planning. For example, right? You know, like s- 
some are done during I mean a couple I mean maybe a few decades ago but then it's renewed by by other plans and then technology comes in technology should help us to 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 develop even more um, strategically right or sustainably yeah. but somehow yeah we we see a lot <laughs> of this I mean destruction and another thing if you if we go to like rural areas especially in close to rural wetlands for example right out of the cities I mean developments are not done properly as in there are a lot of abandoned projects for example abandoned uh, properties uh, buildings yeah so this is where I, I really urge yeah, for for every state uh, governments to relook at this I mean seriously I mean I give an example like shop houses yeah, built in Kuala Selangor I, I just I mean I happen to just written from Kuala Selangor if we if we drive through that main uh, coastal road yeah from Kuala Selangor up north to Sabah Bernam we we see some uh, development in fact in the in the Kuala Selangor town itself like rows of shop houses being abandoned of course there are issues with ownership maybe land issue but then why don't we focus on solving that issue yeah. um, resolve it redevelop it if you like because it, it is already constructed it's already damaging yeah, the, 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 the river bank basically so yeah re-look at it before even thinking of exploiting uh, existing resources like for example Kuala Selangor Nature Park areas yeah. Yeah, or, or, or uh, uh, mangroves along the the Kuala Selangor uh, the, the Sungai Selangor yeah? so this is an example but if it's not just Kuala Selangor I mean I've, I've travelled all throughout coastal towns yeah, from Perlis down to Johor Johor to, to uh, north of the east coast and Sabah Sarawak too you see major cities can be found on the on the coast. In fact, most of the uh, capital cities yeah, uh, for for each state are located on the coast. Yeah, Kuantan, yeah. for example, for yeah. Pahang, yeah, Kuala Terengganu, Kota Baru. These are all uh, capital cities, uh, towns and cities, and they're located right in the middle of mangroves. Most of, most of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you see, so you see what happened already, right? So yeah. we don't want to go near that far now. We have to identify. We have to know our threshold. Yeah, before uh, the impacts actually affecting us. Uh, yeah, it's a vicious cycle actually. So we damage na- nature; it will come back to us. Yeah, the impact. So this is the major threat: uh, land use, and of course, uh, as as we grow, population grow as well. Yeah, and more people, more resources you require. So these these are two major issues. But then, and this is anthropogenic impacts. But then, of course, natural disasters do happen, right? So the merge of these two, actually, and then, yeah, our impact on on nature is is to that extent of changing the amount of carbon in the atmosphere, and that will have it. That triggers the chain reaction. Right. I mean, uh, atmosphere. I mean, our air the temperature of, of of our atmosphere is increasing. That melts ice yeah, glaciers yeah it increases increases um uh, sea levels mm-hmm. yeah so these these are uh, the chain reaction and and it the impact is actually getting worse and worse year in year out yeah we hear disasters being the worst the highest the strongest the the a lot of the worst right <laughs> because and 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 it actually is a sign right the, so the intensity the magnitude of impacts are getting uh, bigger and bigger so we have to realize this we have to open our eyes and think of this yeah so these are the impacts 
I mean, that, that's of course in, in the big picture. But then, wetlands itself. So when we lose wetlands, automatically we will use, we will lose all the ecosystem services that we've discussed last week, right? Mm-hmm. So we lose um, uh, food, yeah, resources. We lose the habitat for for plants and animals, yeah. And you know how much we missed already, right? Because plants, animals, they they may have a lot of other properties that we haven't even discovered, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. So this is this is important. So ecosystem services, like like you mentioned, uh, it best. Yeah. But I like Tansuzaki uh, mentioned. IP best. He he mentioned it as IP best. So oh, okay. IP best, it best, it doesn't matter. But then the classification of ecosystem services used by it best is is can be can be used here. And also there are other I think one or two other conventions that actually quantify ecosystem services. So but basically the idea is these habitats play super important uh, role and provide a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. So threats, yeah. So direct use, direct um, uh, impact by humans through through land, uh, changes of land use and then um, uh, um, uncontrolled um, uh, re- resource use yeah, by, by, by us. Yeah, these are the two uh, impact. And of course, like I told you earlier, uh, there are natural disasters. I mean, uh, the closest, maybe hurricanes or typhoons, right? Mm-hmm. They happen, and this happens within the tropics. And within the tropics, we have a lot of ty- uh, different types of wetlands. Yeah? So, for example, like typhoons and hurricanes and, and the, the tsunami that happened in 2004 affect coastal villages. So we have uh, wetlands yeah, on the coast, I mean, I mean mangroves on the coast. And at the same time, um, uh, population in, in South Asia, for example, or in the tropics, tropics are, are high, right? Um, and we need a lot of resources. So we have coral reefs. Coral reefs are home for divers of fish, eh? seafood for humans. So uh, that's the balance that we, we've already had like for many, many, many hundreds and thousands of years already. But then, yeah, this balance, I'm, I'm, I'm very worried about the balance that we are, we are losing it. We are, we are causing the imbalance. So we have to work hard to try yeah, to to. We have to work hard to fix this issue. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So there you go, threats. I mean, that that's in, in simple discussion. But of course, there are other smaller issues. I mean, that actually turned it into a big issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for example, planning, like I told you earlier, right? Yeah, if yeah. we plan to build or to clear a patch, a small patch of, of, of wetland, it, it may dry the whole habitat out. I give you an example of pit swamp forest. Yeah, yeah pit swamp. We know, we know it's it's filled. Eh? The substrate is filled uh, with water, and then if we dry it out, eh? or if we like uh, actually cut an area, we will it, it will affect the hydrology of pit swamp forest, and pit soil. Eh? They are susceptible to fire because when they dry out, yeah. So this pit is exposed to any spark, maybe lightning strike, maybe cigarette butts, right? That will cause the whole area, yeah, from wet, turning uh, dry, and to be burned down. Gosh, yeah. yeah. So imagine, yeah, the the impact not just uh, to the habitat itself. It will it will cause health I- impact to communities, surrounding communities. It can actually cause transboundary um, haze issue, right? So. This happened before, and I'm I'm so happy. I mean, like of course, uh, the past two three years, we didn't actually face like super bad haze. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank maybe God. partly to the pandemic, I don't know. But then, yeah, because <laughs> no, no, yeah, maybe less uh, human activity. So, so these areas are, are better protected and and undisturbed in a way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. So the, there are a lot of other challenges. Yeah, yeah there are. So, yeah, and. and Climate change, I mean, is that also going to come to impact our sort of wetland biodiversity? I mean, I mean, that's also caused by anthropogenic activities, yeah, right? So is that going to come back and affect, um, you know, um, uh, our wetlands as well? Yes, it's a, it's a vicious cycle, I tell you. Like, if we have enough, if we have sufficient amount of wetlands, it it helps in us mitigating, sponge, right? yeah, mitigating the mm. impact. So the uh, regulates water cycle, yeah, it, it controls basically, it controls a uh, smooth cycle yeah, of water, of nutrients. Yeah. But then once we've reached that imbalance in the, in the equation, in the formula, things start to go haywire, mm. right? Uh, so we get, we get like what we have now, the quality of our rivers, right? And we have to spend more to treat, for example. Yeah, we are paying more just to get drinking water, for example, right? So these, these are the impact. But then, at, at one point, we have to think about adapting to the change now because it is it is happening, happening. right? Yeah, yeah bec- and, then, and then, of course, now, the scale while we, we are on Earth, we may be able to manage still, right? Of course, with, with the technology. But what happens if these um, disasters of if these um, events yeah, happening w- worsen and worsen, right? So, like I told you, I mean, uh, if we go on news, right, we will read or we will listen to to them uh, saying, "Oh, this is the worst tragedy in twenty years. This is the worst yeah. event." In 30 years, 50 years. So, we are recording like um, extreme uh, records yeah, in, in the past few years. And we keep breaking and, those records. Yeah, we are breaking, yeah. <laughs> we are breaking new records. Yeah. And then we are making new records. And not and in a good way at all. And not in a good way, yeah. That's right. So, it is a sign. So, I mean, climate change is, is, a, is, a, is a global term. It's a big term, right? But then if you look closely, that, that's why we have to understand what we are facing. Mm. Otherwise, we cannot fix the issue. So, uh, I, I I seldom say like this was caused by climate change. This was caused by climate change. I would try to like explain it to the root cause of some of the events, right? Sure. But in general, of course, I mean this and that could be part of climate change. But I don't know. I I incline to always like relate it to anthropogenic causes first, mm. and then try to like uh, maybe see if it it is also or, or some of these events also were caused. By the combination of both factors, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, of course, nature disturbances happen, like I told you in our past conversations. Uh, lightning strikes, for example, right? They can kill trees. Yeah, In, in terrestrial forests, they can burn uh, a tree or burn a patch of forest. And then that actually, and then in mangrove, for example, they kill a group of trees. And But then, you know, the size is, was just nice <laughs> for them to regrow, to regenerate, to rejuvenate the whole forest. Yeah, but then... One of the impacts of climate change, I, I mean, expected uh, impacts would be the uh, increasing intensity, the increased intensity of lightning strikes. You see, changes in atmosphere, changes in uh, cloud formation, for example, um, it triggers more rain. It triggers more uh, uh, formation of lightning strikes. Yeah? Extreme typhoons, hurricanes. Yeah? These are these are happening. So that that actually. Yeah, contribute. So, so it will be a, 
very complicated then, right? So, is it really, um, I mean, like natural disaster or is it actually triggered by us, right? So, that's why. So, that makes climate change, that makes it very complicated to okay. combine. But if we simply like put the blame on climate change, then uh, I mean, no, no. It, it, yeah. So, so we have to actually um, detail it a little mm-hmm, bit, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, discuss yeah. it in a little bit detail. Otherwise, a lot of people will be skeptical about climate change. So, I think that's why that's why many people are still skeptical about climate change because uh, we did we don't really like you know like break down break the down, the yeah. issue and uh, to explain clearly to them. So this is important, especially mm. for for. Public, right? Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Let's just go for a quick break, uh, Dr. Audrey. When mm. we come back, let's talk about, uh, I guess, you know, how, how are wetlands in Malaysia are doing, you know, and the sort of like um, mm. protections we have in place and what needs to be done. Speaking today to Dr. Ahmad Audrey Amir, he is the se- he's a senior lecturer and research fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development uh, at UKM, Lestari UKM. He's also the coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network. My Mangrove is the second part of our World Wetlands Day special. Uh, the theme for this year, of course, is it's time for wetlands restoration. We're doing a complete you know, one-on-one on what wetlands are, the threats to it, uh, how we can best protect it. And we'll continue that discussion after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Today on the show, it's our second part of our World Wetlands Day 2023 special uh, with me uh, to, you know, give us all things wetland related, basic 101, but also a deep dive into everything on wetlands. Helping me to do that, of course, is Dr. Ahmad Aldri Amer. He's a senior lecturer and research fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development at UKM, Lestari UKM. He's also the coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, which is also known as My Mangrove. Yes, so we're doing a deep dive into everything wetlands related. Um, in our first episode, we spoke about you know what wetlands are. We defined it. We spoke about the different sort of like um, uh, services that uh, wetlands provide. And today, in our second episode, so far we've spoken about all the many different threats uh, that you know that sort of threaten the survival of wetlands. A lot of it to do with uh, man-made activities, uh, anthropogenic sort of um, issues. Uh, now, I just want to ask uh, Dr. Aldri. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit about how our local wetlands are doing, how Malaysia's wetlands are doing. You know, uh, any status report or I mean I know it's so wide right you know so many things mm-hmm. are under the category of wetlands but yeah maybe maybe we can talk about mangroves you know or, or yeah whatever you think um, how are mangroves mm-hmm. how are our wetlands doing yeah asking about status this is where I think yeah I hope I, I, I would like to like suggest maybe to to the government to the, to the federal government through maybe the Ministry of Nature Resource Environment and Climate Change oh there you go climate change is uh-huh. in the term in the name of the ministry now yeah how about um, having or recognizing or establishing a, a, a center of excellence for wetlands in particular. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we have this, yeah, we can have like a good support of knowledge, good support of understanding, and perhaps to expand or to to work on uh, disseminating or, or, or educating a little larger public because we don't have any at the moment. So by doing that, by, by saying that actually, because I don't actually have like proper or, or sufficient information yeah, about the status. What we know are just records or information, uh, compartmentalized uh, information, if you like. <laughs> you see, like I like we've discussed last week, 
wetlands are connected yeah, in direct or indirect ways. So, for example, like I, I would, I, I always love to see wetlands as one huge complex, huge landscape. You you see them yeah, changes in in different uh, formation or different types across the landscape. Okay. Right. But then they are basically one. Yeah. Essentially, they are like one big complex. The easiest, I mean, like the, the, the easy example I would say is is the coastal wetland complex. You see, mangrove is right there, juxtaposed in between land and ocean, right? So they actually is the connector of rivers, yeah, water from rivers entering their system before they enter the ocean, and at the same time they supply sediments, for example, for the formation of beaches or lagoons, yeah, or, or other uh, physical features on on coastal area, right? So this is important. So it is important to see them as a, as a one complex system. But then, um, how we manage our resource, our resources, right? Yeah. We manage it in, in, in compartments. For example, we have data of peat swamp forest by forestry department because it is seen, it is being managed as a forest system. The same goes with mangroves. Most of, uh, major part, I think over 70% of our mangroves are protected as forest reserve, right? So they are managed by forestry department. Yeah? So it is seen as a forest system, right? But then, as I told you, they are actually home for aquatic lives. Yeah. Pit swam, lake systems, yeah? uh, mangroves, seagrasses. Uh, so they also actually falls under the jurisdiction of other uh, government agencies, be it federal or at state levels, right? So, if there's no communication in between agencies, if there's no, like, understanding in between departments, this will be neglected. The connectivity will be neglected. Yeah, so, it will, it will, they will look at it in silos, right? To manage it as forest. But how about the water quality, right? Mm. So, riparian uh, ecosystem, for example. So, rivers falls under Department of Irrigation and, and Drainage, for example, right? But then, do they take, um, I mean, charge of the riparian uh, habitat? Uh, I mean, uh, growing uh, next to rivers, for example? Yeah, so, so co-working in between agencies is super important here. All right. Yeah, so that's the downside of our understanding. So this is where we need to increase our understanding. So basically, we have maybe data on lakes. Yeah, mm. but, but yeah, we can speak with our friends um, uh, in Limnology Society, for example. They may have uh, information about karst and lakes. Yeah, and yeah, so it is compartmentalized. That, that's what I I, I, I want to yeah. I want to say. And it, it would be good for for us to, in fact, scientists too to like sit. Yeah, together, all of us, different uh, expertise, different specialization, and different uh, knowledge about about uh, different types of wetlands to get the big picture of what we have now. So, yeah, and then oh yeah, mind you, like I mentioned um, uh, last week, also uh, man-made wetlands. Mm. These are also wetlands, right? And it is actually um, recognized by 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 Ramsar Convention. Yeah, so some natural wetlands are turned into constructed wetlands. For example, like paddy fields. Yeah, I mean, Kesekincan in Selangor is known as as the rice bowl for Selangor, Kedah rice bowl for Malaysia. So these are wetlands also. Imagine, I mean, they maybe some parts of them used to be coastal or estuarine or or maybe terrestrial wetlands before they turn into a man-made wetlands, which provide 
some of the equestrian services that we mentioned earlier, right? right? It provides food, for example, for, for humans, and it's actually home for for a, a wide range of biodiversity as well. It creates, right? So it has the, its own system, uh, which actually play a role. In fact, as a matter of fact, if it's like really uh, prominent, like rice field, uh, rice bowl of Malaysia, imagine if uh, 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 the rice fields in Kedah being recognised as Ramsar site. Yeah, in under the category of man-made wetlands, it can be done actually. Mm. So think of it, right? Think of it. So we did that. I mean, we we delineate uh, the whole country for protection and for economic purposes, but then it can still be an attraction. It can still provide home. But then, like I told you earlier, threshold. So where do we stop, right? Where where do we where should we stop? Expanding this uh, change on online use, so yeah, so this is currently I cannot really like answer how much area basically, but we know we have diverse of them right. So from natural, freshwater or saltwater, and uh, and then we also have a diverse type of man-made. Constructed wetlands. Mm-hmm. Speaking of constructed wetlands, Putrajaya is a good example. Correct. Yes. There you go. I mean, I I would imagine Putrajaya now it is a, a, a eco hydrology demonstration site under UNESCO program, but I would love to see Putrajaya wetlands listed or recognised as a Ramsar wet site actually, under the category of uh, man made wetlands. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is super impressive actually. It plays that role of uh, uh, mediating water, right? And then um, uh, it filters actually. I mean, water from from uh, some intakes, and you get that clean water in Putrajaya Lake and 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 rivers, right? So, yeah. So it is actually an opportunity. So maybe our friends in Putrajaya could think of it, yeah, uh, mm. recognizing it as one of the uh, example of of uh, or, or listing it as a Ramsar site. It will be a good idea. So there you go. A lot of work to do by earth scientists, uh, by managers, of course. And actually, this is a good start. I mean, to to actually strengthen or to renew or, or to update our national wetlands policy. I think it is time uh, for the government to actually come up. I think I think there there's always uh, there's already work being carried out to uh, update or to publish the new uh, wetlands policy for the country. Yeah. But I think these uh, the all of the topics that we've discussed uh, today and last week must be uh, considered. We have to identify all types of wetlands that, that we have and we have to identify to the scale of managing or to conserving or to protect each one of them. Mm. Otherwise, it will be too general and it will be hard for authorities, state authorities in particular, to manage them because we cannot simply, I mean, again, managing it in compartments, it will be hard because if we have like general guidelines, it may actually focus on mangroves, for example. Right. And you cannot simply come up with an SOP for mangrove on maybe lake system, right? So there you go. If it requires um, a detailed study on 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 wetlands, um, I mean, of course, there are some here and there already. So it's time to actually to coordinate and to get everyone together to get the same understanding. Uh, and then, and then uh, to understand 
it fully. Mm, you know, a like cohesive sort of cohesive. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, I like that, that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, and this is where I think a center of excellence, or, or maybe and a, a dedicated institution looking uh, overseeing wetlands for research, for education, for management is super important. Mm. So we have this database and and you know like we don't have to be compartmentalized we don't have we I mean of course it's good to have specialized um uh, centers for for different types of wetlands but if we if we have one coordinating uh institutions under maybe mini, the new ministry and RECC uh and then of course uh, close collaboration with states as the I mean, landowner, if you like, mm-hmm. then yeah, we will have better understanding. Better understanding leads to better perception. Better perception leads to better management of For our sure. resources. For sure. And, you know, I just wanted to go back to something we spoke about in the previous episode uh, when we, we spoke about this, right? You know, Malaysia has been party to the Convention on Wetlands uh, or the Ramsar Convention since 1995. So we do have some legal obligations, right, to mm. conserve it uh, wisely, right, as we spoke mm-hmm. about earlier. Mm. That is, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, that's, right. that, that, that's what I mentioned earlier. Uh, there's no legal. There's no legal. Okay. Yeah, because uh, obligation because um, Ramsar Convention is. Uh, uh, yeah, I may be wrong here, but then I, yeah, the the legal uh, obligation would be enforced okay. or would be um, yeah enforced by the state. Okay. So, right. le- so I mean, uh, Ramsar Convention may suggest guidelines. You know, they can sure. come up with resolutions, this and that, but it is up to the state the country in general to enforce or to oblige uh, to to these recommendations or suggestions right okay. so but then yeah i mean that that's the uh, that reflects actually if we don't ob- oblige to the recommendations agreed by the whole world mm. so that will put a negative um, implication on us right Correct. perspective of the country, so there you go. It, it's some in some in 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 some ways. It's actually an obligation, right? Sure, <laughs> that sure. is actually yeah. an I mean, obligation. being party to it, right? Being yeah, party being party. So we 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 oblige, but of course, basically, it's uh yeah, it falls on on the state and so, the country, okay. uh, to 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 actually come up with uh, supporting legal uh, tools, yeah, to to protect and to manage it. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's otherwise that that's what happened. Before, like for example, if it's not strongly enforced or strongly, de- I mean, um, understood by the state itself and the the communities, the public, and uh, anything could happen, right? Mm. It, people don't even, um, you know, when you're on the ground, when you're driving, maybe next to a mangrove forest, you don't even know the status. Uh, so this is another thing that that I spoke to uh, some of my colleagues, some of my friends. In fact, to the agencies themselves, it is actually good to to actually. Um, let uh, or uh, allow this information to be um, accessed by 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 public. For example, like if they know this area, because some forest reserve, for example, you can see markings or yeah, maybe signage, yeah. but you cannot like put signage the whole way, right? Correct. So um, yeah, so if we have information and if if communities are, are involved in 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 protecting or in managing uh, of of resources, I mean. Eventually, everyone will know eh, of, of the status of an area. So, but then you know awareness and thank you to to Earth Matters. I mean, awareness on on nature, awareness on environment is increasing. I I can I can feel that, but somehow it doesn't trans- translate into, I mean, maybe enforcement or maybe but 
development okay. on the ground. Maybe a little bit on, yeah, maybe on policy as well. So, um, yeah, we have to work harder. Okay. We have to work harder to to educate. And these are some of the formulas I think we can we can um, yeah combine uh, and, and put into the for a uh, picture yeah, yeah. So for for better understanding and better management and protection. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up something. You know, I was reading this. Uh, you know, when I was doing my reading for this, and in, in back in 20, uh, 2019, the then Minister of Environment, so that was Yobi Yin, right? YB Yobi Yin, uh, she had said at the time that the government will no longer consider consider approval for EIAs on all Ramsar sites in particular, right? And this was to ensure the sustainability of these wetlands. Do you know if that's still standing? Do you know the status of that? I don't. But okay. then uh, that's a very good point that you've raised, because um, I, I hope. I hope the uh, yeah perhaps uh, YBU at the, at that time raised that issue due to the uh, controversy of uh, development in Pusungai Pulai for right. example yeah then yeah. yeah. that is uh, and maybe Tasik Bera at that time so development happens like super close or maybe encroaching to the delineation so this is where delineation of of from yeah. society for example is very important we need to know people need to know okay where, where? i mean which area which part which, what, are, what are the boundaries right and then and, and then how much it, of a buffer zone you need as well buffer right? zones too yeah exactly yeah. so so there you go so different meas yeah, different different um, international agreements or, or or conventions will have different style for example meb men men and biosphere reserve yeah it's clear like core zone buffer zone and maybe productive zone mm. I, I can remember i mean uh, yeah i have to double check that but there's zones lah right yeah, yeah. zones and ramsar may, may Use different, different uh, uh, way or approaches, and and world heritage site would would have, I mean, different. So we have to understand all of these conventions as well to apply it to to our area to our wetlands, and then um, and then but then the the information it is very important to really scream or really shout about <laughs> this to to the crowd because. Then, then they will realize. Oh, okay, okay. This is we cannot do this here. We cannot do this that. You know, stuff like that. Okay, so um, it is it is a very good advice uh, from from the minister at that time. Uh, but I hope it they, it doesn't stop only at Ramsar sites. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> there you yeah. go. So we have other areas, other wetlands, because uh, uh, or listed as other, of, uh, under other conventions, and not forgetting that. Uh, we have uh, these wetlands gazetted under our own laws, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I always, I mean, if you speak to many conservationists, they will see like, uh, you you will see a lot of flaws in EIA, right? In fact, I wrote one time in in New Straits Times saying like EIA could be seen as a one step late. I mean, like it's it's you know like um, the idea is. It it is as if yeah I mean requesting for an IA to be un, uh, be undertaken, it's like yeah you want that development yeah you okay. want to actually damage that 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 wetlands, but it should be one step ahead right I mean All like right. if you put the priority on this because of these long list of services and benefits they play. Yeah, I mean, you won't even get to that EIE's request stage, right? Yeah. So if you know of this, I think that's the move. It's the same move, meaning we've already identified this as a as a as a Ramsar site. So okay, no, no more development. It's, it's actually in a way saying that no development in in Ramsar sites, right? Yeah. I mean, no physical development. Of course, we want I mean tourism activity to happen, for example, or or to allow communities to to use these resources for for their subsistence, right? 
but then no physical development. Mm. It, it's yeah, it's embarrassing, you know, uh, listing or recognizing an area for conservation, and suddenly you see like havoc, like so damage uh, to the area. Irreparable so, damage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. Yeah, there you go. So, speaking of irreversible, you know, um, yeah, this is where it is important to yeah. have this political will, the urge of of recognizing an area for protection. Yeah. yeah, and I guess you know we're just running out of time, Dr. Aldri. But clearly, we need to protect the wetlands in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the different forms that it is. Mm-hmm. Restoration is one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and that's a long, lengthy process, and that's also an expensive process, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on you know keeping the sites that we have intact? You know, preservation, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Yes, this is this is a way to go. So, and this is again why knowledge is important. A basic um, um, data is important as well. So, I mean. It is time now. Yeah, my my urge or my my request, my humble request to to all states in Malaysia and to the federal government, like let's protect, preserve what we have left. Yeah, the natural habitat and ecosystems that we have. Yeah, maybe we can extend uh, not just to wetlands, but but basically natural habitats and ecosystems. This is what we have left. So let's try best now. To protect all of them, this is one. And then, secondly, damaged areas, uh, disturbed areas, yeah, wetlands affected by by an unplanned or, or unsustainably planned development. Study them and let's restore, rehabilitate if we want. Because yeah, this helps. Yeah, by do by protecting and by um, uh, restoring. It helps us to first mitigate all the the impacts that we've, we've discussed, mm. all the expected um, impacts from from climate change, if you like. Yeah, we have to mitigate that. But then, of course, mitigation we we are doing it for the whole, for the globe. Yeah, so we cannot expect. Uh, I mean, that will solve the whole world's problem. Yeah. So we have to be ready to adapt as well. So this is where. I mean, proper planning is important. Yeah? Restoring is one. I mean, I mean, uh, just now, protecting is one, but restoring is one. But we have to have other adaptation, uh, mitigation and adaptation measures as well in place, ready, you know, to, to be executed. Because, for example, I, I keep mentioning this lately as well, looking at the floods, the frequency of floods, the, the intensity of the impacts of floods, for example, as well as um, uh, erosion. Oh, my goodness. Erosion happening throughout our coast yeah, is getting worse and worse. Some areas are already underwater. Like, for example... Uh, oh, this is my, uh, some of the new and maybe uh, I mean uh, quite old experiences of mine going into mangrove area I mean coastal mangroves right the one that f- face um, the ocean uh, directly you see like I spoke to villagers all throughout uh, the Selangor coast for example there used to be like one to two kilometers of mangrove st- stretch lining this uh, Selangor coast for example mm. but now if you go to Skinchan if you go to Sabak Bernam, yeah, um, and maybe south as well, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, south too, southern of Selangor too. If you, if you walk through towards the end of the coast, yeah, you walk on on these buns or or, or uh, they call it uh, maybe sea walls, yeah, that protect uh, our agricultural area. You straight away see the ocean. You straight away see oh. the water. You know, right, like right. when you speak to when when I spoke to uh, villagers. 
when they were younger, much younger, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, they had to like walk another one to two kilometers from the seawall, from the buns, to get to the water, to the beach. Right. But now, you walk to the bun and there's water. And imagine increasing sea, right. sea level. So, I mean, tidal inundation, uh, saltwater intrusion is already happening, damaging agricultural area. So, you know, Science in that case, fear. it's yeah. too late already yeah. because we you cannot plant mangroves. Yeah? You cannot... Uh, Uh, yeah, it's not restoration anymore. It's like uh, introducing a new forest if we do that now. So that's where maybe uh, using wetlands, protecting wetlands and conserving wetlands could be uh, 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 mitigation measures uh, and, and then the nature-based solutions. But at, the, at that point, uh, we may need help through engineering solution. Yeah, th- this is where uh, uh, working together with... with um, Uh, technologies with other expertise is very important. So there you go. Protect what we have left and restore what's degraded to mitigate and to adapt to changes, expected changes. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Audrey, for joining me today. I've been speaking, uh, well, for the last couple of weeks, actually, our last two episodes of Earth Matters, we've been speaking to Dr. Ahmad Audrey Amir, Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development, Lestari UKM, and the coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, My Mangrove. It was our deep dive into wetlands. Yeah, we were looking at all things wetlands related, uh, you know, eco- uh, services, threats, all of that. Uh, in, and of course, you know, if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Audrey's work, you just need to search for the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network. I think, um, just search for My Mangrove, basically. You've got a Facebook group. Uh, you've also got a website. You've got a, you've got a website? My, my personal website. You've got your own personal <laughs> website, yes. What is that website, Dr. Audrey? Uh, it's actually UKM website. www.ukm.my slash Aldri, A-L-D-R-I-E. And it will take you to some of the activities um, of my research activities, our team's research, and also some activities by My Mangrove. But yes, I I would urge, uh, no, not urge, I would invite all of you to join us, uh, the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, regardless of your expertise, regardless of your status, if you like, everyone is involved. I mean, of course, that that I mean, closer or directly to, to coastal communities, but we all depend on wetlands. If you, I mean, whether whether you notice that or not, We need water to drink. Yeah, we need clean water yeah, to, to, to stay healthy. We need a sustainable or, or balanced environment, balanced ecosystem to live in, not just for us, for future generations as well. So thank you again, Juliet, for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you again to Dr. Aldri. Uh, if you miss any part of our conversations or if you miss the first episode of our World Wetlands Day special, you can just search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.